Benjamin Franklin once said, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. The fact is, quality matters. Join us as we make quality fun, interesting, and accessible to companies of all levels. Quality matters is a must-listen for all things quality. Listen in, ask questions, and get back to doing what matters most. Quality Matters, brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Quality Matters podcast. I'm Kyle, and I'm Darcy, and we are back with uh, Tom uh, Termina here. We're going to be chatting today about uh, what he calls a, a BMS. You know, it's it's kind of a um, we'll we'll get more information from him, but uh, we're going to have to because I don't know what that means. Yes, kind of picking up where ISO leaves off, which we have talked many times before about. It's a great standard, but it is by no means comprehensive, and it's got some weird quirks in it, and you do kind of need a little additional guidance for implementation. Well, we need to bring him in because I got yeah. questions. Okay. Well, let's do that. <laughs> Welcome back, Tom. Thanks. Great to be with you again. Hey, long time no see, but really? we batch record these, so it was five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Tom, for anyone that may have missed last episode, kind of quick rehash of uh, kind of who you are and what you do real quick. Well, thanks. Uh I was very fortunate to be one of the first quality control engineers at NASA's Mission Control Center in Houston during projects Gemini, Apollo, Skylab. I was there for 14 years. It's just so freaking cool. <laughs> so cool. Um, I think I would say that to everybody I met in the grocery store. Oh, yeah. The kids of yeah. Oh, hi. Yeah. Quality control engineer for NASA. First ever. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got an Irish oh, wife. Man. Get over yourself. <laughs> oh, well. uh, it was a phenomenal training ground i mean i went i joined the team because i'd left my home when i was 19 and said i want to be part of the space program yeah and uh it was just it was a phenomenal environment everybody that was there wanted to be there you know they didn't just have jobs yeah. We were all invested in, in the success of Project Apollo, particularly. So I, I entered my, my career with an environment of we had to do everything 100% right mm -hmm. with a technology that was totally unproven, <laughs> taking a little 230,000-mile trip to the moon, you know, <laughs> getting out, dust, kicking up some dust. Uh, and so that was the first 14 years of my, my, really my business career was in that environment and everybody was accountable for their own work. Everyone was accountable to their teammates. Uh, none of us, I mean, we, we believed that our job was never to hurt an astronaut. Uh, the unfortunate Apollo one fire that killed three astronauts was on the launch pad. Mm -hmm. And that was that was what that fire was because we had so many different risks inside that cap capsule that had never been together before. Yeah. So it wasn't a foreseeable risk, as I call them. It was a calculated risk. And in that particular time, we lost. So yeah. uh, having that background and then for 10 years, I was supplier quality. Uh, so I would travel. I traveled to 47 states and Canada and Mexico doing quality audits. So I've seen 
you know, think, I, mean, I see Kyle thinking about his audits and, you know, I walk in the door and it's, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll never forget one of them. You opened the front door and it was a church. They made they made audio switching equipment, but it was a church. And they had a chapel. They had a chapel in the middle of the work floor every day. <laughs> Swear to God, every day. Well, that's a bad analogy. <laughs> oh no we had it uh i wasn't there for it but uh apparently you know recently we had someone in uh flip-flops on the production floor steel toe shoes are required guys in flip-flops requiring in flip-flops well i hurt my foot and it swelled up too much for me to wear my steel toes <laughs> <laughs> aren't those moments priceless yes don't get me with us oh. i swear so, oh, man. Well, in any case, let's kind of get to, I guess, the, the point of what we're, we're here to talk about. So Darcy's got some questions on this. <clears throat> so you've talked about BMS. Um, what does that stand yeah. for is my first question. Well, as opposed to quality management system, it means business management system. Okay. So when I first started doing consulting work with ISO 9000, I was struck by how narrow the requirements were of the standard. Mm-hmm. You know, they excluded big chunks of the company mm -hmm. as not being part of the quality management system. Mm -hmm. And in fact, over the last 30 or 40 years, it's proven to be true. You, you know, sit down with other quality professionals and they will talk to you about auditing all day long. And <laughs> I, you know, I stick my finger in there and say, what are we auditing for? Well, compliance to the standard. Uh, are we also auditing that the process works? Huh? What? Huh? Yeah. Does yeah. the process work? <clears throat> I mean, I remember doing an audit years ago where we were auditing purchasing in a company and they opened the drawer of purchase orders and they had paper clips on different folders. And when I would ask for an example, they'd pull out the one with the paper clip. <laughs> which they had gone through earlier and made sure it met, you know, it was compliant. Yeah. So you just sit there and order as an auto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but does the purchasing that. process work? Yeah. You know, are you purchasing garbage or you, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So early on, and this is predicated on the fact that between NASA and my quality consulting work, I ran three different manufacturing companies. And in those companies, I dismantled the quality control groups as not necessary. We didn't fire them. We found other, you know, professions for them. Mm -hmm. But the, the fact is that product <clears throat> quality is the result of robust processes and operators who are trained and certified as competent. Let me so, interject here with a question, because I'm just curious how much you've run in to this or not um when i find someone moving into a quality management quality assurance type role that's coming from quality control i have yet to see that be a successful or i would say a very successful transition because you get the these quality control folks are so in the mindset of if someone else didn't write it down and didn't tell me to check it that they, they can't get the brains out of it brilliant question it's it's we are so invested in our tools and so invested in our culture 
that the reason BMS has evolved is that we have no idea what, what the company actually does. I mean, we know we build skates or surfboards or whatever it is, but we don't know what the, the vision, mission, values of the owners are, number mm -hmm. one. We don't know what their key process indicators are, what's important to them. Uh, and so we, we, we spend years in, in our quality world optimizing uh, productivity and minimizing defects with no idea of how they contribute to the bottom line or mm -hmm. to the customer base. So all of the quality tools that we have evolved, and most of them these days are evolved around ISO <coughs> 9001, mm -hmm. are there for control and conformance. Mm -hmm. ISO 9001 is a conformance standard, nothing else. And it, what it says is on one on any one given day or three days, whatever the audit is, that a, a registrar has come in and, and did a sample of your quality system and found it to be compliant with the standard. Mm -hmm. I have yet to meet an external auditor that innately asked, do these processes work? I have run into one. And yep. we've got a client that uh, I recently helped support them with their, uh, you know, uh, third party recertification audit. And, you know, so it's it's kind of on one hand, the auditor is the most lax auditor I've run into. But on the other hand is the best auditor I've run into because he kind of skips over some of the minutia details a lot of auditors love to get caught up in. And his real big question is, is it working for your business? Is your business functional? And yeah. it's such a different approach that we honestly almost don't know how to help these guys because he's actually auditing the business as opposed to the minutia of the standard that everyone gets caught up on. Uh, you need to hire that guy. I mean, <laughs> well, I, all... say, I like where this is going because I've been with Kyle on meetings where he's trying to peddle his wares, so to speak. And the different departments sit in and they're so confused as to why they're sitting in when this is really kind of a manufacturing thing you're mm -hmm. trying to talk about or, you know, um, you know, purchasing doesn't understand how it affects them. Or even the guys that are directly involved with quality, they don't really understand, like you were saying, how they fit into the whole company mm -hmm. and, you know, the importance of what they do. And I always liken it back to teaching. That's my background. I used to be a teacher, although now I have not taught as long as I did teach. So probably should let it go. But no, <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> I remember one of our professional development or many of our professional development days were spent like sitting down with the grade level below us and the grade level above mm -hmm. us to see mm -hmm. where our students are coming from. Like we had to review that curriculum and then review the curriculum of the grade above us to see where they were going to. Oh, and my just, God, what a concept. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same kind of idea. Yeah. You've got to figure out where you fit in this whole system. Yep. Well, my wife is a special needs teacher, and she still treats me like I'm retarded. So. <laughs> <laughs> we, won't get, we won't get into that. What, what, you just, what you just set up, Darcy, was the absolute fundamental tenet of BMS, and that is Everything in an organization is a process. Yeah. <laughs> Every process has a supplier, the work, the work unit before you, whether it's teaching or, or building a, a TV set, 
you have a customer, the one after you, and then everything involved in that process has steps and can be measured, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's the definition of a process. Mm -hmm. And that's what BMS says, that your company is an entire uh, functioning organism of interrelated products. Yeah. Yes. And you can't, you can't discount the HR department. You, know, you, you can't say they're not part of the QMS. Well, they are today. They're not part of it. But in BMS, they are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because what happens in, in HR? Well, part of it's hiring. Mm -hmm. What's the parameters they use for hiring? What do they use for onboarding? What do mm -hmm. they tell people when they onboard? And then what do they do about this thing I call reviews, which is we've all had them, right? <laughs> yep. And... We've all gone, well, that was nice. I got a raise. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what they were for, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You went through all of this rigmarole of everything you've accomplished in the last year. And then, okay, you get a 6% raise. Well, good. I can go yeah. back mm -hmm. to work now. Yeah. Unless you're a teacher and then you just don't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's do an entire podcast on, pe on the teachers' union, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we live in a tiny, tiny county with the average graduating class is 10 to 12. Oh, wow. And even they can't get it together. <laughs> you know, the teachers union in the state just has them by the throat. Yeah. Yeah. And I clean that one up. <laughs> so um, the foundational tenet of BMS is that everything you do in a company, from, I'll never forget, I did three, three consulting assignments at Dell Computer. And I was in the break room one day that, of course, they had the break room was full of computers. You know, go figure. <laughs> and so the, the janitor was standing there with his mop bucket. And he was typing away. And I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm looking at my stock portfolio. He said, I'm going to retire in five years with about half a million bucks. Quite the janitor. Well, that's it. Well, I, <laughs> I had a consulting group. There were seven of us. We called ourselves the seven chubby white guys. <laughs> <laughs> so that didn't work. We changed it to the virtual group. And we, we all did these Dell, <laughs> Dell assignments together. And three of the guys went to work for Dell full time and retired millionaires. Hmm. Oh, wow. And so bring up one of those names to my wife. Well, she will say, why didn't you go to work for Dell? We would be millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hindsight is 2020 plus. Anyway, yeah. I said, what is your <clears throat> what is your contribution to the success of this division where we work? He said, well, if I don't keep the place spotless, if I don't keep the floors clear of clutter, and make a safe work environment, we can't be the best we can be. This is a janitor, right? Love it. So, yep. you know, I, I've talked about him ever since. This is 22 years ago. <laughs> and I still talk about the guy. And he had, he was part of the business. Everybody was part of the business. Yep. Uh, yep. The, we, what we, the, the basis of BMS, <laughs> Another interesting story. Our group was called in to bid on the ISO 9001-2000 transition. 
for a division of Dell Computer. You know, they had all the big boys were putting in bids and mm -hmm. a couple of the colleges were putting in bids. So my meeting with the VP of the division, I walked in and we started talking and I saw he had 19 volumes of ISO 9001 2008 on his shelf, 19 different binders. You know why? There are 19 mm -hmm. different clauses. Mm -hmm. and I picked him up and I threw him in the trash. <laughs> and he said, you're either a genius or a madman, but I want to hear what you've, you, you, what you've got. What you've <laughs> I said, well, how about if we, how about if we get rid of the quality management system and put in a business management system that controls your entire division? It yeah. runs everything. And he bought it. He he said, "You got you guys got the job." I had a guy in there full time. Well, he wasn't a full time, but he was there for a year. He had a, a programmer working with him, and he had the quality manager working with him. And they developed what they called Bemis, Business Management Interactive System. Mm -hmm. And of course, again, we have a plurality of computers around the, the business, <laughs> so everyone had a computer at their desk, and they could the design parameter was they could had to be within three clicks of any piece of information they needed i've never heard of that concept before <laughs> yeah all the quality stuff was on there you could there was a, a pictorial of how mm -hmm. big a scratch could be on a computer case before it was a defect yep but they could also check their stocks they could also and and the screensaver was a running tally of, of production through the shop every day that's cool. And they, they'd look at it. Oops, looks looks like uh, out of box audit is backed up. We need to send some more people over there. That's really cool. Oh wow! And so a year later, he published the results. You know, there's little little stuff like we thought we needed six plants. We only need three. You know, little stuff like that. We thought <laughs> we needed. Yeah. You know, we thought we needed 900 employees. We only needed 400. And the first year, we realized uh, an 80% growth in revenue and profit. Wow. You know, and I said, <laughs> duh. <laughs> <laughs> These are quality metrics, not scrap yep. rate, not, yep. you know, even out-of-box audit was an interesting concept. They took a sample of out of every shipment and, you know, opened it up and made sure it was what it was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, I, I you know, I, I tried to do something I call a QHC walkthrough. The idea is that it's a 15-minute miniature audit. You literally just go out on the shop floor. Now, I like to pick the person who shies away, right? So I walk out there with a clipboard, so it's obvious I'm here to take notes. You know, I want to be evident. And the first person I see duck their head and turn away. <laughs> and it's just the same type of thing. It's like, okay, what are you working on? Can you identify your project? Can you identify any inspection methods that you've got? Can, is the equipment you're working with maintained is it up to date is it working do you know the same thing you were talking about the janitor do you know how you fit into the business what does the quality policy and objectives how does that apply to you i don't give a crap if they can recite it i no. want them to say how they fit into the system that's your you're spot on you're another one of the pioneers i mean I a, <laughs> really I'm, I'm serious i'm not just blowing smoke up your skirt <laughs> I did a consulting assignment here in, in Reno or in a machine shop. 
they had a horrible scrap rate. Uh, they had a horrible, uh, uh, the, the process time was two or three times what it should have been. Mm-hmm. So I did what you did. I found, <clears throat> I went to a work center, a CNC work center. Mm-hmm. And I said, tell me how you do your job. He said, what, what do you mean? What, I mean I, well, somebody hands you a package. Somebody gives you this big bucket of parts and you're going to perform an operation. Just tell me what you do. Yeah. So he talked about setting up the machine and running the program and putting all the finished parts in another bin and then rolling it off to the next workstation and leaving it there. So I went to the next workstation. I said, what did you just get from this guy? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It, you know, here it says on the paper that there's 3,946 parts, but I started working. I could only find 3,920 parts. You know, the guy before him, it scrapped and then never told anybody. Ah. So the, the scrap rate was even worse than they yeah. thought. Oh, wow. Bottom line, I told him, here's what's going to happen. When you finish with your process operation, you're going to take the work order with the count and you're going to walk over to the next workstation and you're going to hand it to the guy and say, this is my best work. You know, like it. the scrap rate disappeared. Yeah. Oh, wow. The cycle time yeah. dropped in half just overnight. Yeah, so Caleb, he's our uh, software manager, but he, 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 his background is actually uh, in weld inspection. So he's a CWI for, you know, um, you know, industrial construction. So yeah, real kind of interesting background there. But uh, we were talking the other day and about problems that we run into with welders so often because it's so common for the welder to immediately send their work over to an inspector. And what happens is over time you develop a culture where the welder really doesn't care how good it is because he knows it's just going to get sent back. He knows it's going to be good before it, it moves on, but it's like, why wait until someone inspects your work? Take some, take some stinking pride in what you do, but it's so easy to train people not to take pride in their work. Especially welding. I, I did welding inspection as well. And it's, it's, it's something you can physically see the moment you walk up to it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's a great bead or no, that's got mm-hmm. inclusions in it. You can see it from five miles away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, I I think you're another one of the pioneers of <laughs> the fact that a business is a business. Yeah. And in the last 20 years, I've been doing expert witness work and product liability and organizational negligence litigation. And I can trace every single failure that, that I've been on the plaintiff's side to people who weren't following their own procedures. Yeah. When you dig into it, why weren't they? Yes. Well, the why weren't they is because it was not the culture. Mm-hmm. Just like you said. Mm-hmm. Here's my best work. You know, that is such know a simple you know, solution. Problems with it. Yeah. No, that is. That's such a simple solution. I mean, yeah. and it really, I mean, look, either it's going to work or that guy's going to find another job. Yeah. Well, and that's. That's, uh, you know, COVID redefined a lot of that, uh, unfortunately. And the, the, the basic reason for net business management system coming out now as a product of the Kaizen Institute is the fact that the entire face of quality has changed in the last three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of us were, a lot of people work for companies 
were deemed as uh, unnecessary labor. You know, we can do without quality. They just eat up overhead. And well, so that's what led us to start fractional quality management because we saw that happen to so many of our customers. It's like when cash flow gets tight, quality's out the door, sales out the door, we can find a way to do do it otherwise. And it's like, uh, let's see what we can do about helping out with quality management on a yeah, smaller basis per month. Well, it, it works for a while. I mean, you can hold your breath underwater for a while. Yeah. And sooner or later, you got to surface. Oh, yeah. All those little problems, they just start creeping up. And a lot of the quality professionals have moved into other occupations, but my publisher at Quality Digest was at ASQ conference last year, and they told them that a lot of the attendees were new people from different industries that wanted to become quality professionals. Hmm. Interesting. So we've seen the turnaround in the face of quality, as it were. They're no longer entirely the people that you and I have talked about as being quality geeks. <laughs> uh, I, call, I, I call some of them quality clowns because they just, <laughs> you know, they stick to these ridiculous tenets of, yes. Yeah. You, know, you can't use a tape measure because the little thing on the end moves back and forth. <laughs> the little thing moves in, back and forth because it's used for inside measurements and outside measurements. Yes. Now that it's moving, it can't be, you can't certify it. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, again, we, we've got a, a client that, man, they had like such an ingenious solution. I wish I could take credit for this. This is totally their idea. You know, most of their tolerances are pretty, pretty wide. You know, they don't have real tight tolerances on things. Generally, it's only about an eighth of an inch. And so I, they've not excluded calibrations, um, but they've come darn near close to it. And so what they've done is they said, look, here's a list of pre-approved tape measures. And they're all more accurate than our tolerance. So as long as you buy a pre-approved tape measure, throw it out the window. There you go. <laughs> it's like, that is so freaking simple. I love it. So let me ask a question, Darcy. Are you, okay. tell me what the definition of business management is. Oh, no. So far. <laughs> what have you, um, what have Well, I feel like it's quality management, but for the whole business. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Put all of my BS into 10 words. <laughs> you know, but that's something that I, I try to encourage folks to use uh, their non-conformance reporting process for, especially for small businesses, because you don't have the people or the manpower, or even the data points to come up with all these great dashboards, right? I love a good dashboard, but small businesses don't have enough data points, nor the, the manpower to hire someone to collect and analyze it. So I like to tell people to use your non-conformance reporting process for any process when you're in your business. I don't care if the purchase order got request got filled out improperly. I don't care if it was a safety, you know, incident. We had, you know, oil spill on the floor, whatever it is. Use the same process. We just identify different defect codes. We identify different origination codes and just report on every nonconformance with the same tool. And then you're able to view your entire business to some degree through that same lens. You just have to, you have to make two assumptions with it. The first assumption is that we document nonconformances when they occur and that the process is working otherwise. I've done a lot of management retreats and one that comes to mind, matter of fact, I have a picture of it on the website. Um, the company's defect rate was terrible. Uh, their scrap rate was terrible. So I said, and fortunately, they were in Oakland, so our management retreats were in the wine country. 
No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the day were pretty good. But I said, bring me every defect report that you've written in the last six months to the meeting. So they brought this box full of defect reports. We put it on the table. I said, now let's sort it out into categories based on the defect codes and what they were about. So there was, I think there were seven piles. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, put a post-it note up on the wall and let's take the, the uh, NCRs one at a time and categorize them and hang them on the wall. And we did all of that. And I said, okay, now that we've got that done, Let's look at the, the categories again. Here's mm-hmm. one that says uh, the guy that put the glass in the window pane has the highest scrap rate in the business. Let's dissect that and go to root cause. You know, why does that happen? So we spent the better part of a day doing that. At the end of the day, every single NCR was put into one category. <laughs> we knew better, but we did it anyway. yeah you know and i accept that there's a certain amount of that that's going to occur now i'm not saying that that's a good thing but what i like to do is i I like to have a disposition code on my ncr of we accepted it with concession it's like great why'd you accept it like that if you did it and you knew it was non-conforming why'd you accept it because we had a production rate to maintain Mm because yeah because the boss can tell, tolerate anything except being late. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, even a company of your size, the people that work for you have to understand your vision mm-hmm. uh, and your values and what you're trying to accomplish. Now, you're lucky that one of your people lives with you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you can do that pragmatically, but... I mean, I've spoken with Caleb extensively in your organization, and he's, to be quite candid, he's he's still trying to grasp the overall vision of how he fits in. Yeah, and that's not a that's not a, anything you've done poorly. It's the fact that that's the way businesses are run. Mm-hmm. We're task oriented. Here's your task. Yep. Accomplish the task, and when when we have a customer complaint. Well, why'd you do that? Well, you told me to. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. You... <laughs> no, that's something that we've been taking a look at and trying to talk and walk through because we, we have changed our direction on things a lot, especially since COVID. I mean, to be honest, leading up to COVID, this was largely sole proprietorship. Anyone I had was simply there to help me do my tasks. Yep. And so, you know, COVID hit, things were really tough for a while. So the last, what, 18 months, year? So we've really been trying to ramp things up and it is, it's, it's a bit of a transition to figure out, okay, well, how do we get everyone on board to do things without me being there to coach and guide and, and, and tell them the way and how I want it done? Because for the first six months to a year, like we're just overloaded with work and it's just get, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And so making that transition is uh, it, it's, it's an interesting process. Well, it is. And uh, even though, you're extremely enlightened. It's just human nature for us to assume that other people know what it is we want. Yeah. And, yep. and unfortunately, they, they read body language, you know, and they read the body language of the one of the companies. The president was going through a horrible divorce and he had a girlfriend and 
<laughs> he got kicked out of his house, and that was reflected in, in what was going on in the business. Yep. And you know, at, at the end of the day, I took him in the bathroom and had him look in the mirror. I said, "There's the problem." <laughs> no. That was the end of that assignment uh, because. <laughs> You know, he finally, he's, he's now writing software for the state of California. <laughs> That's his calling. That's what he did well. He, the yeah. documentation system you have for quality management, he did from scratch. He yeah. wrote the software from scratch. He should have been running the company. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so those kind of, those kind of situations of, I, I mean, I do it all the time. I, you know, well, Tom, I know you. I know what your standards are. I know what you want. I know you wouldn't want to see this. I want to see everything. I'm sorry. The good, the <laughs> bad, and the ugly. The definition of sole proprietorship, and I've been one since 1991. Well, I've had a corporation and an LLC, but I'm, I've still yeah. been the principal. Uh, is people saying, uh, I, I thought this wouldn't be important to you. Yeah. And well, may not be important to me, but maybe important to the customer. Yep. Mm -hmm. So let's let's communicate. One of my closest associates here, and he he and I did consulting assignments together for ten years, and he teaches genuine dialogue and leadership. Things I could never teach. I practice <laughs> them, but I've learned from him that genuine dialogue is everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just what I, what I did a moment ago. I said, Darcy, what did you hear? Mm -hmm. That's genuine dialogue. Mm -hmm. Because I need feedback that I'm not just sitting here talking. Yep. Yep. That in, in us communicating and with our, our listeners and, re, and video people, uh, they're able to understand what we're talking about it and put it into practical application. We don't, yep. I mean, we're writing BMS 9001. But it's like no other standard you've ever seen. So how's well, it, that's what I want to ask. Is, is yeah. this something original that you're creating never heard of before-ish? Well, it was almost never heard of before. And in the late 90s, one of my business partners worked for Merrill Lynch in New York. And he said, you know, we don't have any quality in the financial services world. Everything comes down to audits. Mm -hmm. you know, financial is 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 audits that are they're surprises they're punitive he said there's got to be a better way uh you know your iso 9000 audits are proactive yeah so i wrote fs 9001 financial services standard based on yeah. iso 9001 except it took took it proactively and it was it was well accepted one of the guys on our team was the head of quality for Citibank. Oh, cool. Another guy was the head of quality for Deutsche Bank. Uh, so these were, and two weeks before 9-11, we were meeting in, in a trade center. With oh, the, wow. Yeah, really, with the, with representatives of the big five accounting firms. Wow. And they, they left them, well, they didn't give us the, feed, the exact feedback, but the, the lady that was organizing the meeting for us said, told me, she said, that's the first time that all five firms have been in one room for anything. Oh, wow. And she said, you made an impression. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Very cool. And of course, 9-11 nine, nine, happened and all that went in the trash. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So <clears throat> MS 9001 is, you know, I've taken a stab at it before, but it takes all of the clauses of 9001 to 2015, and it turns them into business management instead of quality management. It takes out all the ISO babble. <laughs> I love it. No shortage of that, though. So when is it going to be available for you? Oh, God. You, you're, you're killing me because... <laughs> well, you can't get us excited and not tell us. Well, it's it's days away. Yesterday, I was doing final edits on the on the printed copy version. It's, they you know, Kaizen Institute put it into a slick e-document. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And so I'm still nitpicking words, so... I hope in the next week that it's, it's published. Uh, Quality Digest does two two webinars a week, and uh, well, they do two quality announcements a day, and they've got more than four thousand people on their website. So the, the article's done; it's proofed; it's ready to go. the the uh, The uh, editor in chief uh, for Quality Digest is ready to go. We just need to. Need the bloody production department to finish. <laughs> well, so maybe by the time this airs, or it may be out already. Um, this will probably come out two or three weeks from now. So it may be ready by then. Yeah. Uh, so then the next question is, how are we going to get it to be a national thing that's audited like ISO? Again, another genius question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited about this. I have said since we've done this podcast because. Teaching is my background, and we did a case study on a Clark County yep. school district oh that God. started the ISO 9001 process and, you know, saved so much money by simple things. And, you know, it's a whole thing. Um, but I have said that school districts should look at ISO 9001 <coughs> for themselves, but mm -hmm. it sounds like BSM, BMS, Business yeah. Management, yeah, I said it wrong, BMS would be a I better fit. Nasty if you're not careful. <laughs> uh, it's it's an incredible marketing question and we've been talking about that for over two years uh number one we are in a state of transition in the quality professionals professions so along with the standard that we're or the you know the standard that we're publishing is the master of quality training program mm -hmm. and what that does is says to you kyle as a quality professional yeah, I know you have all these certifications and all of this experience, but how does that apply to you as a career uh, individual in mm -hmm. advancing in your career? Yeah. So there's five tiers to the training program that that take the students from the state they are in today where they're consumed with their tools mm -hmm. and how they work, and it turns them into... Uh, what I call forensic business pathologists. Okay. <laughs> and the reason I'm using those big words is forensics is the study of failure, right? The forensic, uh, somebody that, that gets shot gets a forensic, uh, gets looked at forensically, uh, as crime scenes look at forensically. And Pathology is the way an organism functions, and every company is a working organism. Mm -hmm. So it takes you to a level where something you and I do innately, Kyle, mm -hmm. we walk in the door, and we we can smell it immediately, <laughs> right? Yep. yep. 
And I did that literally. I, I One of the first places I would go in a new facility is the restroom. <laughs> it It's a tell. It's, it is. How do you believe, how do you think about your company? Yeah. And so we are, I'm suggesting that the, at the top of our careers, we're going to be forensically looking at companies mm-hmm. and taking their innate pathology and turning it from negative to positive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of looking for defects, we're going to look for a way to be number one in our brand. Yeah. And so the professions of quality are, are changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, to answer a little more of that, Darcy, is uh, the Kaizen Institute is worldwide. It's extremely well respected. Uh, Exemplar Global is one of the, the major auditing firms. Or they, don't, they don't audit, but they're the... One of yeah. the major credentialing firms in the world, and Quality Digest has been <clears> for twenty-something years. Like, like I said, they have four thousand readers a day, and so it's either going to be received one or two ways. First of all, there's going to be a whole bunch of of our colleagues going to say, "This is this sucks. This ain't going to work. He's, this guy's got his head up the butt." And, <laughs> We're going to fight this at every step. Uh, one of my buddies over the years has been one of the founders of Six Sigma. And he's re- he wrote the first book on Six Sigma. And he, have, he and I have had friendly debates over the years about the fact that Six Sigma is a money-making operation. <laughs> I've never mentioned that before, never. Because two of the guys on my consulting team were ex-Motorola people. <laughs> oh, Motorola, they're fun. And we said, well, we looked at each other and we said, what the heck? <laughs> we invented that as a statistical tool. Yeah. I mean, it was invented to keep from having to do final tests on every cell phone they built. Mm-hmm. That's what Six Sigma was all about. Mm-hmm. So we have this friendly argument and he's, I mean, he's not, disp- he's not stopping selling Six Sigma. Oh my gosh. But he also acknowledges that yes, there's we're we're invested in our own tools. Yes, it is a tool and not a methodology. Thank you. You just summarized our entire conversation. <laughs> well, I'm uh, looking forward to this new yeah, uh, it'll be good system. Oh, we need to uh, probably record a couple of episodes talking about some details of it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Okay. Well, I think we are about out of time here. But Tom, again, I really appreciate your time on here. I think uh, just tons of good stuff for folks to uh, to learn from and, and uh, enjoy the conversation. So, you know, again, thank you. Now, once let me ask this. Once the BMS standard comes out, where's going to be the best place for folks to, to go check it out? And it may already be out by the time this episode airs. It'll be on the Kaizen website. Okay. Kaizen International. And like I said, uh, Quality Digest will be doing a big splash. Cool. I hope we'll exemplar global. Cool, cool, you, cool. You'll be able to get exemplar global badges from taking our courses. Ah, okay. Very interesting. Well, hey, again, thank you very much for uh, the time here. And I uh, look forward to, uh, to getting you back on here again soon. Great. It's been a hoot. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right, so that wraps up the episode again today. As always, be certain to like, subscribe, share. Um, do us a favor, too. If you've enjoyed some of what you hear here, go leave us a review on iTunes. It's actually do a lot to help us out with rankings and, and all these different things on there. Um, so help us out where you can, and we hope to uh, hear from you guys soon.